Welcome to our podcast, Hoteliers Hot Topics with the IHG Owners Association. I'm Carly, I work for the association and myself and my colleague John are bringing you this series of podcasts aimed at all IHG hoteliers discussing hot topics in the market. We'll be bringing you key insights from our incredible guests who are all specialists across various markets and roles in the hospitality industry. These podcasts are not staged interviews by any stretch. We will be having genuine, honest, roundtable discussions together, sharing to you golden nuggets of information that you can hopefully take back to your hotels and businesses to assist your future success. We will be sharing visions, best practice and market insights on a variety of topics because as an association, we know that we're better together. Thanks guys for for joining me today. I've got Mike Gove, the COO from Hotstats. Welcome. And I have Stuart Houston from RBH, the finance director from RBH Hospitality. And we are going to be talking kind of all things budgeting today. We're getting into that season. We've come through two or three years of challenge. And I think the one thing that we can all say is every budget we've done is wrong. <laughs> and, but, you know, we're looking into an area now where things are becoming a bit more predictable than they have been in the past. And I'd like to, to to talk through some of them with Mike and with Stuart. Before I do so, I'd just like to get some background about, you know, with Mike Gove and uh, your role. Yeah, sure. So Michael Grove, I'm the CEO at Hotstats. Uh, Hotstats, for, for those of you who are not aware, is a global data benchmarking company. We collect profit and loss data on a monthly basis from hotels all around the world and utilize that for market insight like this and also uh, to help operators benchmark performance. For myself, I come from 17 years in the hotel industry through operational roles and finance roles, hotel and corporate level. And we've spent the last three and a half years with a rapidly growing data company. So yeah, that's me. Stuart, if you want to give us some background. Thanks, John. I'm Stuart Houston. I'm the finance director for RBH Management. RBH are one of the leading third-party management companies in the hotel industry. Uh, we trade approximately 50 hotels uh, open and uh, pre-opening at the moment, but have traded around 200 plus hotels in, in the history of the company. Personally, I've been with the company seven years now, uh, so building up my experience, however, came from a non-hotel background. So what worked in multiple operational commercial finance roles across many different industries. Thank you. So, Mike, if we kick off with you, you're the stat man. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was an interesting point you made that, like, we haven't, I think everybody's got their budgets wrong. And actually, I think since the beginning of time, I think we've always got our budgets wrong. It's one of those things you can always be certain of. But, you know, I think the biggest challenge that we really have now is, yes, things seem to be getting a little bit clearer. But I think we thought that at the last quarter of last year. And I think the beginning quarter of this year, things started to move a lot more positively in the UK. And now Q2 looks so different to Q1 that it's really hard for us to kind of, you know, to really nail down what the future is going to look like. But I think the best we have right now is the last quarter, um, the, the last, the trailing three months. And I think going into budget season, you know, that's probably what we're the, the most accurate picture we can get of what things will look like for the next 12 months. I think for many operators, the, you know, the challenges range right the way through, you know, from the various different types of operating models, you know, where the revenue is going to come from, at what rate and what, what premium we're able to charge, because of course we have these inflationary cost pressures. If I start with, uh, you know, for instance, like the ADR, I think has been the, the biggest topic. Um, I certainly was a cynic myself as to, you know, how sustainable it was to, 
to operate coming out the other side of a, of a pandemic and then more moving back to some kind of normality in business mix and the impact on, you know, on the, the people's disposable income, what that would mean, you know, from the ADR point of view. But I think I've kind of been proven wrong. You know, the, this period of high inflation on the cost lines has, you know, there's a lot of evidence that that is also driving higher pricing in, in hotels. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But the ADR is really only one part of the story from a, you know, from a pricing point of view. To give you one statistic, for instance, I think ADR for Q2 versus the same time in 2019 was around about 8% up. But if we look at total revenue per occupied room, it's around 6%, which is, you know, below the rate of inflation across the board. And m- much of that has come from the, the huge drop-off in F&B spend and, and C&B. Of course, Conference and Banqueting has not returned anywhere near the levels that, you know, that it was in, in 2019. Um, I think currently CMB per occupied room, if we you know looked at it as a comparable because of looking at Trevpool, it's about nine percent back. But actually, per available room, CMB is twenty-one percent back versus the same time in twenty nineteen. So we still have a long way to go from from a competent banqueting point of view. I think more interesting, you know, there's been quite an uplift in areas that are not necessarily directly linked to hotel occupancies, knowing that there's still some way for us to go from an occupancy point of view. The good thing is the hoteliers have, you know, have been quite creative in in how we make best use of the space in hotels, you know, to drive this total revenue across the board. Golf revenue, for instance, is up somewhere in the region, I think, 37% increase versus the same time in 2019. It's not, you know, that that was one activity that was available during the pandemic and has only grown as, as we, you know, as we see it right now. And again, not linked to, to how many rooms you're able to sell. So I think that that's really geared us up going forward that, you know, hoteliers have not have pivoted away from being reliant on hotel guests staying in the in the hotel rooms and actually, you know, being able to to find other ways of utilizing space, such as conference and events, which is certainly a, an area of uh, concern right now. And Stuart, are you? Does that sound familiar to you through some of the RBH estate, apart yeah. from the, the golf courses, maybe? <laughs> yeah, the golf course is a thing of the past. Eh? Although we have been there before, uh, yeah, very much so. We are seeing ADR really, really uh, pushing, particularly in key markets. So London, in particular, is having exceptional performance on the rate versus twenty nineteen, but also other key cities, in particular Edinburgh, Manchester, really seeing those rate come through. Auckland's they still lagging behind 2019 but the ADR and the key markets are more than offsetting so your revenue per available room is actually up in quite a few of our key key cities regional a bit of a mixed bag actually depending on the location so with some locations that are actually very strong and other locations not as strong and, and actually quite a flip from last summer the staycation boom you know where we were seeing exceptional performance and sometimes record performance ever and some of our more holiday led destinations not been as strong this summer you know a real switch to to city locations london as i said edinburgh in particular we're seeing real inbound tourism particularly from north america driving that rate one upside of the exchange rate going against the UK is actually inbound tourism. It's, it's a pretty cheap market for, for consumers coming in from North America, coming in from Europe, uh, compared to how they've historically get it. And I undoubtedly think that is helping the ADR and key cities. And you just to stick with us, you know, I think we spoke before the podcast about are you seeing that going forward? Are we still seeing the, the booking pace there through the rest of this year? Yeah, so we're we're looking at the next four months' uh, performance on the books, but it's, it's very strong. Again, we 
consistently at the moment they refer back to 2019 as the, the base, the, the benchmark level because it's the last trading normality before the pandemic really hit. But compared to 2019 in almost all our markets, we are seeing strong forward for a booking pace uh, across most of our hotels, in fact, almost all of our hotels, carrying more business on the books than we were at this time uh, during the summer of 2019. So that's that's very, very positive uh, in, in the short to the medium term. You know, the, the potential fear is, is some of the longer term with the potential cost of living crisis and disposable incomes being reduced. You know, how sustainable is that? But certainly in the near term, is looking very positive at the moment. Uh, I think that's a it's a great point in speaking to you know the hospitality sector. That's something I hear echoed quite a lot. I suppose the uh, the piece is is do we do we see any other markets coming back? You know, like the you know the meetings and events, the the corporate business to kind of offset maybe some of the declines in the, the leisure sector. Yeah, I mean, corporate travel is. The difficult thing about measuring it at the moment, I think, is that there has been this blurring of the lines between, you know, this, this what is a corporate traveler and what is a leisure traveler. And we you know, we have all of these terms, the, the pleasure, the workation, the, you know, whichever one you take your pick. I think that's certainly a challenge. If I look through our, um, our segmentation, it's quite clear that pretty much all segments are up from a rate point of view. So it's um, the only drop off we've slightly seen is in, in the, the government section, which I'm sure, you know, will be a position in, I think, some channels of the corporate world and also probably in some ways of the government discretionary spend for, for different activities, they will be booking direct on the, on an online website, whether it's you know, direct with the hotel, or the brand themselves, or through a, a travel agent. And therefore, it's not been easy for hoteliers to be able to capture you know, the, the correct segment. So I think it's that's the first thing, but certainly it does look like you know, there's still some way to go from the corporate point of view. The business groups and the you know the conferencing is linked directly together. I think there's you know there's certainly a lot still to recover there. But again, remembering restrictions haven't been lifted that long, and CMB is long lead time business. So I think it'd be interesting to see what the the next quarter will look like, knowing that it's always a a fairly challenging quarter for CMB anyway. I did you know you have seen that with the as we come into RFP season. You can see the brands all really recommending significant uplifts in in rate, but I think the the, the other piece is to move from static rate to dynamic to make sure that there's protection there. Is that your what you're hearing as well, Stuart? Very much so. I think two aspects when you're looking at the corporate business. Firstly, there's significant cost pressure. Eh? That everybody's facing so trying to educate our sales team and our revenue teams on on the increases that's going to be required to offset and maintain profitability has been a big exercise in our business so giving them visibility and on a pound number so not just a percentage but a pound number to say this is you know, how much you will need to lift your rates by it's been quite an eye-opener but the other thing is that corporate isn't delivering in the volumes that it did so the negotiation with some of your, your key customers has to be about you used to provide X volume for X price. Actually, if you're providing me X minus 20 or 30%, then the price needs to be reflective of the fact that you're not delivering the, the overall throughput. So those conversations clearly have, are taking place and uh, have taken place both pushed from a brand point of view and internally in RBH. Clearly, procurement managers and so forth for the corporate clients are, are not don't have an appetite to take the increases because they're under cost pressure, the same as every other business. But it does come back to delivery versus, versus price. You know, you deliver the volume, then we can look at a tighter price. And, and some of those conversations, you know, it's not 3 4 and 5% increases we, we need right now. 
you know, it's with a level of inflation, with a level of cost pressure, it's double digit. You know, you have your wish, want, walk. Walk is double digit. You know, wish is high teens. So big mindset shift from historic RFP seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we look at, it gives some comfort when we're talking about the budgetary piece from both of you that, that the rate and occupancy and business still seems to be there. And therefore, we need to continue to to drive that mindset to capture that business at the right rate. And, you know, don't make this argument self-fulfilling. Uh, you start dropping rates and, you know, switching from a kind of a, a rate strategy to an occupancy, occupancy strategy. Well, I think, in, in fact, it's been almost the opposite of, of an op- occupancy strategy for many operators, not being able to, I'm sure we go into the cost lines again and the operational challenges, but if you're capping occupancy and there's already been a, sl- there was already a slowdown of supply anyway, linked to you know, lots of different factors. But that was already going to drive, you know, higher rates because lower supply and higher demand. And then, you know, as as you're capping occupancy, again, I I wonder going forward how operators will look at their business mix very differently. You know, you always felt like that bread and butter, lower rated business was necessary for many hotels, certainly in key locations. They would still take that business worried about the, you know, what it would mean if they only managed to get the 60 or 70% occupancy. And actually now there's a revenue management tactic you know it, they're almost uh, coming out of the other side of this because they've been forced into it well, you're not having the you know the staff in to be able to do the you know to, to do what they need to do i mean i think we've, we'll concentrate most of the conversation so far around rooms uh, you did mention some other other revenues but you know f&b Stuart, what are you you seeing similar trends or what trends are you seeing with that yeah, yeah we're definitely seeing similar trends it's a challenge to drive the throughput and, and get the volume through our f&b operations where we have it but then staffing challenges also exist. So one of the key elements on headcount is two key areas for us is housekeeping and, and kitchen and F&B staffing. So getting the correct staffing to be able to fulfil the customer demands is a challenge. And right now costs uh, are going up, particularly on food. It's easier to offset on, on beverage, you know, so it's easier to move your pricing and on the beverage. But for food, it's more challenging, you know, particularly as it's not a, a lot of hotels, like a key uh, income stream and it's kind of an ancillary, it's one we need to push hard, but it's an ancillary income stream. But we're seeing cost of sales uh, go up. We have a large amount of allocated revenue in our F&B operations, so that's when you know, the consumer books a bed and breakfast or a you know, dinner bed and breakfast rate. Uh, so the amount that's allocated to food revenue has been static for a long time. So before inflation, before pandemic, it's rare, rarely changes. So that's fine when there's little inflation and little cost increases because chefs can maintain their margin. But at the moment, the chefs in particular are getting squeezed because the costs are going up and their revenue stream for a significant amount of their offering is static. So you just need to be cognizant of that fact. You know, So it's when you're setting the expectations of what should the profitability be if you're deliberately holding uh, pricing, or in this case allocations, then you need to be giving an allowance to say your profitability will slide slightly. And we are, we are seeing the profitability in our food and beverage operations slide slightly driven through staffing and particularly food cost of sales. Yeah, I mean, the numbers literally say exactly the same thing. We're talking, again, going back to 19 again, normally we would compare against last year, but I don't think that's really relevant right now. So we'll stick with 19 for now. But F and B margin has has dropped seven percentage points versus the you know the same time in twenty nineteen this this last quarter, and five percentage points of that has come directly from labour costs, 
and the other two percentage points is directly from food cost, uh, from food and beverage cost sales. So you can clearly see it in the numbers. The the challenges are, are really evident. I think that's a, a good segue into the other part about budget. We've kind of talked a wee bit about revenue, but if we then start to look at the the profitability, the the GOP and impact of of what business we're driving at the top line to what is effectively being delivered at the the bottom line. So what are you, we talked about F&B seeing a significant impact. Do we see a similar piece at GOP, you know, across the hotel? Yeah, I mean, if I give you, you know, the, the helicopter tour of the of the UK P&L right now, you've got rooms, profitability is is down by two and a half percentage points, slight rise in booking costs, as you'd imagine, because of the, the higher ADR. Uh, of course, housekeeping costs are hugely impacted. Thirty percent increase per occupied room in in housekeeping labour costs. It's uh, you know it's pretty significant. I spoke about food and beverage already. This you know, the margin is now down to twenty three point eight percent from you know from the uh, the macro view. But it's a lot of these inflationary increases and these challenges in the front of house areas of the hotel have been offset by you know huge shakeups of the of the fixed costs. Certainly, the pandemic caused that. This zero based budget. I think everybody was forced into was in you know. A healthy exercise in some ways, although we wouldn't want to do it again. I think it's something that has really, you know, forced us to relook at the way that we operate hotels, and that that overall was around about I think eleven percent change to undistributed costs, excluding utilities. So you've got those inflationary pressures on the top on the the operating departments and the the revenue link departments, and then in the you know, the back of house areas, you've seen these quite significant changes to how we're operating the the fixed costs of of hotels. I think that really says a few things. The first thing is, is those fixed costs that we removed from the hotel, it was around about the 24, 25% mark in the middle of the pandemic. So we have brought a lot of those costs back into the business. Of course, the, the likes of insurances, your licenses, and also bringing in new talent in those areas will cost more now. So there's there's been a bit of a hemorrhage there. If it wasn't for the elephant in a room of utilities, I think you know, overall, the picture looks like hotel. We would basically be sat around about the same margin level that we were sat at in 2019. The difference really, about 3% change in GOP margin versus that same time in 2019. And pretty much all of it comes from the utility increases. And that's not just about the direct increases. Sure, you were talking earlier about the impact that, that it has on everything else in the hotel as well. Yeah, I mean, it really pushes prices up to you know, a multitude of uh, supply. You know, So taking one example of linen, contracts are linked to the textile index and that has gone up almost 20%. And then from July 2021 to July 2022. And the bulk of that increase has been driven by the gas component. You know, so the gas and utility component of the cost is a relatively small proportion, but the percentage increase has driven a double-digit overall increase in the entire linen cost cost base. Is pushing, you know, it just shows you filtering in into, into every other area. The P&L, anything that's getting moved by road, rail or, or sea has a fuel impact. You know, fuel is coming back slightly, but it's still at a historic high compared to long-term norms. Anything that's that's been a light switched on or power utilised is, is giving up a huge element of cost, inflation into that. So it is driving into other areas of the P&L. It's not isolated to just the utility lines. We are seeing it in, in areas likes of linen being the most obvious, uh, most direct uh, correlation. But every other area, you know, anything that's distributed to your hotel, you know, comes delivered. There's cost challenges in those businesses, businesses, and you know, through good procurement, we try to offset most of those those cost challenges. But you also need to be having a reality of the suppliers are at a stage where they're saying 
you either need to accept this cost increase or we simply can't supply because they are real. It's, it's not a push to kind of profiteer. It's a real cost pressure that they're facing in their business. And unfortunately, it's some we have to absorb and find ways of offsetting them. And that is the key. The key element is to understand what is real and acknowledge it and prepare for it and then have a strategic plan on how you're going to uh, adapt and overcome those challenges. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to live in the dark, you know, trying to pretend that costs are not coming because if you pretend they're not there, you don't have a plan to overcome them. That is definitely key. Yeah, and I think there's also, you know, if you plan for, we don't know what's going to happen with energy pricing over the next 12, 18 months, but if you're planning for it staying, it's only going to continue to drive the ESG initiatives of your, your hotels. It's going to, you know, help set you a profitability point of view with some good, you know, targets that are actually hopefully achievable because if you get some some tailwinds uh, along the way, it'd be actually in your advantage. And I think also that this shakeup of the business model, that it's, you know, it's not the same across the board, obviously. I mean, select service hotels are currently being hit much harder than, than full service hotels from an overall profitability point of view because I guess there's there's utility costs are a much higher proportion of the total hotel costs. So of course there there is there's an impact on it. But actually I think this repositioning of the more fixed costs in the business, the contracted costs, and these operational headwinds we're currently experiencing in, in the front of house areas, it does actually set us up for, you know, a bit of a change in the business model. We have much more variable business models. We have the ability going into you know, more challenging periods to be able to flex our cost base in a much different in a way we weren't able to before. And that will certainly be an advantage of seasonal hotels, hotels that are, you know, have vulnerability in, in certain times of the year, so conference houses, you know, spa resorts, these kind of properties that have, you know, more of a reliance on, on seasonality. I think there's, and if the utility costs, you know, tail off a bit, and I don't think anybody's going into fixed pricing right now. I think everybody is, you know, is having to ride the variable rate believing and of course hoping in many ways that this is not going to be something that's going to be around right the way through next year. I think there is some advantage in there. There's some, you know, we have a much more flexible business model overall um, and hoteliers have focused a lot on that. I think we, you know, we can maybe go into a bit more detail about what we can do about the rising cost pressures. And I know Stuart, you had a few ideas on that. You sit to the other side of the table, you've got a number of general managers and finance professionals coming to you during budget season, presenting a budget. How do you find the balance between setting a challenging budget, but having an expectation, you know, seeing a realistic expectation in that budget? And how do you communicate that with owners? I think the starting point is, is under, understand what your benchmark is. You know, and that's where information like say hot stats is extremely useful. So you can both compare directly compare yourself against a, a relevant set to say this is where the cost base is, but you can also understand the direction of travel. You know, so where are their increases? To what extent are their increases coming through? How does that compare to us? Because every hotel has a different operating model. Some have kind of leaner staff on property, others have you no know, above property uh, teams doing a lot of the functions that they may be done on property, and in our hotels are vice versa. But understanding that direction of travel, understanding where we think the uh, cost increases are fair, looking in areas like say staffing, for example, of you know you, you've got a rate uh, of pay, and then you've got the volume of staffing. So you know making sure that the, the manning profile is correct, it's no overmanned. Uh, there is definitely rates of pay increases. So you know when we look back pre-pandemic, if you look at housekeeping or F and B staff, 
they were always played living wage. That was the rate of pay, was living wage, you know, whatever that was at the time, whether it was 781, 8, 820 odds. That was the rate of pay you secure staff at. And it's always been a challenge, so nobody can actually sit here. It's not a new thing, it's just a really emphasised the, the challenge of, of securing that staffing. It was always a problem getting the staffing, but the rate of pay was the living wage. We're no longer seeing that in the entry-level roles, housekeeping in particular. It's real, real tough to recruit resource. We're seeing rates of pay go significantly above living wage now. So in the centre of London, we've seen that go over the course of the last 12 to 18 months from uh, 9.50, which is the living wage, up to... 12 to 13 pounds per hour to secure the resource and unfortunately it's a bit of a commodity so if you're not paying the market rate then they will not up sticks and move next door for for that extra 50 pence or a pound an hour it makes a big difference in terms of the take-home pay for those staff members so i don't think it's, it's bottomed out yet i think it you know, will be a place to go but you know what, what we are conversations we're having whether it's in-house or whether it's an outsourced provider, is we need price and certainty. So where is that level where you can have give us the price and certainty? Because limiting your supply of rooms because you can't clean them is far more expensive than an extra 20 pence or 50 pence on a rate. And, and that's something very conscious of, is you need the resource. One of the most critical things in a hotel is to have, to have your supply available. You know, And if your room can't be cleaned, your supply is not available. So you do need to look at areas like that, but there, there is a significant premium from uh, where we were pre-pandemic, averaging around an £8 per hour rate of pay, up to 10 11 12 or £13 per hour, depending on where your hotel sits sits in that market. So the key key element is making sure the productivities are there, making sure that we're not oversupplying labour. You know, are we getting the same outputs from the staff, regardless of where those rates of pay sit? And that's critical. So that, that is the, really the key challenges we're giving back to our, our finance teams and our uh, general managers is, you know, is your manning profile right? Do you have the right number of people? You know, what's the requirements? If it's a rate of pay, can you go and you know, evidence that back to say that it's a market rate of pay? That's the hardest part is, you know, have the hotel GMs done everything they can to, to minimise that? And certainly with housekeeping, I know traditionally it was something even pre-pandemic that was heavily focused on for efficiencies. So therefore, any increase in cost is very hard to, to offset. You said something around, you know, you were seeing some of the costs, certainly back of house costs that were coming back into the hotels. Is and Maybe it's a question for both of you, but first of all, you, Mike, is, is that something where we, we need to to focus on that we don't bring some of these costs back in? You know, can we still maintain some of those efficiencies even as the business starts to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously mixing the what I could see in the data, the conversations I have regularly with hoteliers and, of course, my own operational experience from hotels. And the one thing that I think was quite clear is that there were costs in the business that we believe we needed and then when we were forced into removing them because of the pandemic, we realized that they weren't as necessary. And I'm not, you know, I think that would be, it's a really hard one to to just, you know, to brush across the whole industry because, of course, there are so many different moving parts to this and depending on the, the level of, well, the type of operation you are, the type of target audience, et cetera. But to give you an obvious example, you know, over the last 10 years, we've invested a lot in the areas of IT in the digital space, you know, digital marketing being an obvious one, enhancements in preventive maintenance, you know, and, and BMS systems and these kind of things that were, you know, were, were very manual before. And I, I don't think as we've 
implemented these into the hotel industry, I don't think there has really been a repositioning of the kind of old style of operating the, those areas of the business. So we did have maybe a, um, in large sales teams in, in, in some large big box properties doing some of the work that digital marketing was kind of doing for you. So when you reach audiences now, that's changed. I think the pandemic forced us to kind of revisit some of those costs and say, well, actually, we can only have one or the other. We can't afford both. So I think there is some strategic changes that happened. I know the, the sales and marketing and accounting were the two areas that were most hard hit from the back of house areas of hotels, right the way through the pandemic in most markets around the world. I think that sounds, you know, quite you can kind of understand the account inside of things because I think there are there were you know, there's a lot of efficiency in that area that has been driven by IT. It's been driven by new solutions that are available in the market. But the sales and marketing at a time where we are trying to ramp back up after a crisis that seemed quite scary that we you know hoteliers were having to use that area of the business to to be able to draw back costs but actually you can see the evidence that we are bringing some of those costs back but in a much more targeted fashion so we're having to bring them back but we're really you know focused in the new world of pr and, and marketing which is very different to what it looked like before as an example i think that that's a strong argument for just you know while you know zero budgeting zero-based budgeting is painful as you go through it each year. There's still a strong case to still have that in every hotel, just because of the different personalities each hotel has. Sure as that's a piece, I'm sure you drive a hard bargain at the other side of a table when someone presents a budget to you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, understanding, you know, what cost are you putting into the business? What's it going to do for you? You know, so what return are you going to get on that cost? Is it necessary? And is it effective spend? So it's about deploying your money where it's going to be most effective and come back to digital marketing versus no payroll, no those areas. One of the, the key uh, undisciplined costs that we are seeing actually come back compared to the pandemic is in repairs and maintenance. So there's certainly, we are finding an element of catch up. You know, there's a reduction in, in R&M spend, but as we begin trading and the occupancy returning, there's an element, of, there's been an element in our properties of catch up in that. So you'd expect that to Firstly, happen, but secondly, the balance off. The other thing that's uh, getting more attractive is, is some capital initiatives that have suddenly got an ROI that's attractive. So we've got a number of properties, like say LED lighting, going through the hotel. It may have had an ROI previously of three or four years, and was it worth it? But actually now it's 12 months. So it's actually understanding what funds are available, what's the owner's appetite for investment, and some of these decisions become you know, should we, shouldn't we, to actually, this is a no-brainer, let's get it done, we don't need capitalize that, just stick it through your working capital because it will pay back so quickly, it merits it and justifies it. So looking hand in glove with our capital team and our property team is, is what are those initiatives, you know, what do they cost and how quickly can we implement it? Thinking clever, but again, thinking how efficiently you can spend your money and where is it going to be most effective? There's, there's certainly areas there. I think that kind of moves us on nicely to just seeing the costs hitting us and what we can actually do about those costs and you know what impact that we can have driving the profitability at the bottom line. I know, Stuart, that you've spoken about the way that your your RBH are looking at their how they procure their their utilities, and I'm sure there's a lot of other management companies out there potentially doing the same. Yeah, I mean, we've actually been relatively fortunate. We've been quite well insulated from the utility rises so far. We've got a number of longer-term contracts uh, that were in place from from actually the debt 2020, uh, 2019, 2020, the low point in the market for the last 10 to 15 years. We've placed a number of contracts across our estate. So our hotels have actually been relatively well insulated, and some of them remain so. 
However, we're conscious that we're coming to the end of those contracts and we know the level and materiality of the increases coming in our direction is going to be pretty significant, sometimes up to 3 to 400% increase based on the current future market. Uh, that's just where the pricing's at. So one of the things we've been looking at is how have we historically procured utilities and energy and how should we do that going forward? So previously, we've always taken a fixed contract viewpoint, so multiple owners placing fixed contracts, but... We're looking to move to a more flexible procurement method whereby we're hedging, but looking significantly further out than our, our kind of previous norms. And so looking to really buy our, our energy, not just for the next year, but actually looking the next two, three, four, five years potentially and, and taking the opportune moment to place percentages. So again, not buying 100% of your energy at any given time, but actually know, hedging gradually on tiers of our energy uh, purchasing when the time is right and when the price is right. When you look at the volatility in utilities markets and, and the wholesale pricing, it's, it's just been unbelievable. You know, who can predict? But actually, if you have the ability and the authority to go and trade, you know, as the market hits peaks, there's been huge spikes up to 500 pence a firm. But actually, volatility is potentially not tens and twenty pences, it's one hundred and two hundred pences on that volatility. So you want to be placing your energy procurement when there is a trough. That trough is not what it used to be, but it's still a trough and it's a material trough. What we don't want to be doing is is getting to a point where we're we're having to, you know, take the price on a day and, and that's that's the best that is an offer because that is that is a lottery. And it does come to your appetite for risk, you know. So at the moment I'd be relatively risk averse, especially for this winter uh, upcoming, where it's not palatable. The pricing, the forward pricing is not palatable, but the risk premium being built in is, is significant. The risk of running through and deemed out of contract rates. You could win big, but you could also lose very big. And it'll be each owner's decision. That we'll be having a conversation with all our owners who are out of contract, which fortunately is not many. But uh, we'll be having those conversations as what is your appetite to risk because this is you know, what we're staring at. That's the, the level increase. It could be better, but it could also be significantly worse. And I think that... You know, just hearing some of these three, four hundred percent increases, I've heard that from a number of owners. You know, Mike, you will have seen the the rolled up numbers. I don't know what that's going to show if you, but the worrying thing is, is that's still with a number of owners with some form of fixed contracts. So I'm not quite sure where that's going to go. And for the UK, at the lowest point of consumption in the year as well. This is the, the this Q2 is the lowest point of the year from a consumption energy consumption point of view. So. You know, we are heading in, as Stuart said, you know, you're going into the winter months, knowing that the the prices, are, many people are still locked in a fixed uh, environment and the ch- prices are still, you know, changing regularly. You know that you're heading into those winter months, consumption's going, you know, going to, to rise quickly and, uh, you know, you might be coming out of contract. It is a scary time for hoteliers, for sure. You know, they, and every, you know, as we said, every percentage point that you, you increase the utilities as a percentage of revenue is having the, of course, the the opposite impact on non profitability. What kind of numbers are you seeing at the moment? An average up over 2019, for instance. So the numbers that for Q2 uh, was 2.7 percent, 2.7 percentage points as a percentage of revenue. So overall, the utility costs up 30 34 percent per available room utility expenses, and that is that still is, for a business that is 
you know, just unsustainable, you know, and that's an average number with a number of people still in contract. So that might be closer to 60, 70% and well, more. More than 100%, yeah. So the, the numbers we looked at last month when just looking at those hotels that had seen more than the kind of 15 or 20% increase per available room, we're assuming are the, the ones in the fixed, you're coming out of a, the fixed contract. Yeah, they, those numbers are over in the, you know, 120, 130% increase. And this is, you know, these are these are huge numbers when you look at the, uh, the you know the the levels that the other areas of the business are also taken out of your GOP. So if you if the, those rooms and F and B numbers I spoke about earlier add that to the utility costs, of course, the, you know these are huge chunks coming out of the PL. But I think that the the pricing is offsetting a good, good chunk of it. So I think there are reasons to be positive. We are able at the moment we have been able to pass a lot of these costs on. I think we are really focused on consumption now. Like there is definitely, I think probably the second part of your budget going into next year is going to be all focused around what can we do from an ROI point of view, from a procurement point of view, and of course, from a strategic point of view on property for initiatives for you know staff and guests to, to work together to offset a lot of this without damaging the guest experience too much. So I think that has driven it to the front and center now, and that can only be a good thing for hotel models going forward. And just on the consumption piece, because I, I, you know, I've spoken to you both regarding this, and there was both you both had some fantastic ideas about what you were seeing that you know hotel owners were doing to offset this. So, can you share some of those? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, some of the the stories that, for instance, that as a bare minimum, informing members of the team how much it costs to operate the things that they're operating. You know, so when you leave this air conditioning on for two or three hours before a guest arrives, this is what it's costing us. And then making decisions based on those. But you actually have a cash number that you understand. For me, that's a bare minimum in most ways of running a hotel. But we didn't really do it with energy costs. So I think that is really, that's a very simple one, but it's really helped. There's obviously times of day to be doing things based on, you know, premium times of day to run price per unit basis. So understanding what they look like and making strategic decisions around that. I've seen a few operators, you know, really, really focused in, in those areas. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a, a significant focus on ESG in our business, and so much so that it's now a core metric. As one of the key things that we measure, it's linked to hotels and general managers' bonus. And the S in that ESG sustainability, we are measuring the consumption of power. You know, we're looking to reduce our carbon footprint. You know, that's obviously the, the overall gain here. But for me, as a finance director, I don't know what is really good. Is you know, we are measuring consumption as a way to reduce that carbon footprint. So each each hotel is has a consumption target. And ISG have actually done a lot of work, kind of worked alongside them to, to help set those set those benchmarks. But we're looking to reduce the overall consumption of power. Because once the price is set, the price will be what the price is. And once it's set and once you've bought it, the only way of reducing that cost is to manage your consumption and manage when you're consuming things. You know, so we've installed half-hourly meter readings, so we, we understand exactly when power's been consumed in our hotels. We're going to start to look at that data far more closely to initiatives to reduce it. You know, so as Mike says, when do you run certain processes? Your aircon, you know, how long should it be in? Should it be running? Can you isolate it? Can you either automate it to cut off or just have habits? You know, your housekeeping team are in the rooms every single day. You know, are the housekeeping teams checking if there's anything drawing power in that room that's not going to have an occupant in it for, you know, potentially five, six, twelve hours, you know, in some instances. So, you know, if you're making sure that you know, these things that are drawing power are switched off until they're actually required, uh, it goes a long way to reducing your power output. 
And you were saying that it's part of the, the GM's bonus. Yeah, yeah. In relation so, to power, the, the consumption. Yeah, so the consumption, it's, you know, it's directly linked to, you know, what gets measured gets done. And, you know, what motivates hotel GMs more than anything is their bonus, you know, and you know, we're all creatures of habit. So by linking it, we, it is a focus of a carbon reduction, but actually the repercussions of that should be we reduce, hopefully reduce power, power consumption in hotels, which, which has a win-win for everybody. It reduces the cost. It helps the environment, saves the planet, and puts money hopefully in our GM's pockets, which is always a strong motivating, motivating factor. So, no, and I also know from like my time, I think in 2010, 2011, you know, doing ROIs on on energy projects because for me as a financial controller, it was a great way to to make the budget, great way to to actually you know get the budget over the line without impacting guests, without impacting you know the um, the staff. It was actually very easy for me to just have some simple initiatives in different areas and then look at the ROI on on some of the bigger projects to be able to actually get that one over the line. It's a great area actually for when you keep asking GMs to to be able to drive down their food cost or drive down labor costs. It's you know, it gets uh, over time. I think we've done we've overdone those areas of the business and actually utilities have crept up in the background. And actually this is a this is a great time for us to, you know, to to get some focus in those areas. And that's probably Outside of the revenue lines, that's probably going to be the differentiator next year between how you're doing and what the market is doing. You know, is is how well did you position yourself and what how strong was your strategy in 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 the area of energy consumption and of course uh, labour. So we just if we can try and kind of pull that together and kind of wrap up, I think from what I'm hearing is that there's still a great deal of op- optimism within the the hospitality sector, especially in relation to revenues. But there's some real challenges coming out of you know cost pressures. However, I think that from what I've heard from both of you and what I've heard from other owners is the hospitality sector has been really strong and been able to deal with their changing in their, their operating model. Yeah, I think for me, the, the the fact that we've been able to hold pricing up during a crisis, which you know, generally, if you go back over years, it took a while to get the occupancy up and then rate came, you know, followed that and then profitability, you know, took even longer, maybe double the time the revenue took. This time around, it's been very different, you know, and hoteliers have been able to hold rate for numerous reasons. I think that is a really positive sign because if we were trying to drive the rate back up now, that would be that would be a pretty difficult situation. It's also come at a high, time of high inflation. So, of course, it's come in with cost factors, but I think you know, generally guests are expecting to be paying more for hotels right now. There has been definitely that. And yeah, this zero-based budget budgeted approach that has, has, you know, has definitely made our hotels healthier and much more variable, you know, much more flexible going into, you know, further challenges should they come our way. And we've already seen from this year, you know, that, that things can can just come out of nowhere and and all of a sudden we're, we're handling another dip in revenue or another challenge on the top line. We need to be, you know, uh, much more flexible in our business models in order to be able to drive that. For me earlier, I think John, you asked me what keeps me awake at night. You know, that's, that's probably two things. Firstly, cost of living crisis, more so for disposable income. You know, so is that going to temper demand rather than you know the actual cost in our in our business? So that's a big concern. You know, will will demand drop down because of people's disposable incomes are reduced and discretionary spend is viewed as you know, a hotel room? We're just going to cut down the number of trips, or if we actually take that trip. That's the first thing. The second thing is utility prices. Absolutely, you know, where they're heading and you know, where they are compared to where we've been. That's the two elements. But there's definitely areas of optimism out there. The, the ADR, you know, maintaining and holding that price positioning. I don't see that dropping off. You know, I think the, you know, whatever the demand is, it will be. But I think there's a 
general feeling consensus in the industry that you know they're going to need to charge a certain level of pricing to offset the cost pressures. So I'm very hopeful of maintaining the ADR premium that we've achieved versus historic years. So that, again, fills with optimism that we can maintain and drive the profitability of these businesses and offset the cost pressures that are there. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I think that was a, a great chat. And maybe we can look at six months' time so we can revisit. See how wrong we were. How wrong we were as budgets have, tend, budgets have tended to be over the, the last few years. So thank you very much. So that wraps up today's session. Firstly, we want to thank you for listening. We really hope that you found today thought-provoking and useful to you. If you did, we would love for you to share this content with others that you think will find it useful too. You can leave us a rating and feedback or subscribe to hear the next episode, which will be coming your way very soon. Finally, if you are an IHG franchisee, you can head over to owners.org for more information or log into our member centre where you will find supporting information and additional tools and resources to help support your businesses. Thanks again from your host, John, and myself, Carly, and we look forward to seeing you next time.